Welcome, everybody. We're in our second show, and uh, I have the great pleasure of talking to Noah Weisberg. Um, Noah, uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. I just, you know, finished watching Zoe's. Uh, my daughter, as a matter of fact, was very specific that I do not suck on this interview because she's a big fan of the show and she wants me to represent the Weisbergs. Um, by the way, Weisberg. Weisberg. My last name, uh, you know, coming from uh, Ukraine, my last name is Weisberg. Uh, when my grandfather came here, they spelled it with a V-A-Y. So one of the first questions that, that popped into my mind, are we related? I, I, I didn't do an ancestry search, but is there something? I don't know where your family is from. I'm going to give you that answer. Yes, we're related. Perfect. Love it. So my daughter will be even happier. Uncle Noah. Yes, Alcanoa, and uh, you've mentioned that you're from uh, you're from Northbrook, so that's uh, that's basically 20 minutes uh, south of uh, where I am in Vernon Hills. So that's even cooler. I love that. Um, yeah. Okay, so you know Zoe's uh, extraordinary uh, playlist, which is an amazing show. I love it. Um, uh, that's how I got introduced to you in the first place. Uh, before I started doing the research and saw that you've done an amazing uh, amount of other stuff, which we'll discuss. Um, on Zoe's, uh, by the way, your resume needs to be updated. Uh, your resume doesn't have uh, Zoe's on there yet. <laughs> it's so new. Yeah, they have, yeah. Um, it, Danny was such a great character. I, I wonder if uh, when you uh, when you got that role and you started working with it, was it kind of fully built, or did you have any input into any of his uh, characteristics or quirks? Uh, it's a great question. Um, uh, I did the I got the audition. I did it from home, mm -hmm. back in my New York apartment. Yeah. And you know, when you're doing an audition from home, which especially now, if there's even anything to audition for, it's got to be from home. And yep. the the trend is moving towards self tapes anyway. Yeah. You you have the breakdown that says what they're looking for, but at the same time, you're just kind of like making up what you think they want. Because you're not in the room for them to say, hey, uh, great job, Noah, but let's try it this way or that. You just yeah. take a stab at it. So um, somehow what I did seemed to be what they wanted. Cool. And when I got to set, the director, John Turtletaub, who is one of my now all-time favorite directors and people, he's so funny, but also directs with such heart. Because he did episode 8 and 12, 12 being the finale. Mm -hmm. And they both had such heart to them. Um, anyway, I got on set and he said, uh, I'm going to, my job is to try to not mess you up. Huh. So he said, you know, what you did was, I don't know. That was one of those lucky things where what I did was what he wanted. And that's perfect. Um, I love that. I, I want to get to a point where I get somewhere I'm like, yeah, that's it. Just, you know, do, do that. Um, I've, I've, I have a very short uh, career. I'm just kind of getting started in this. But a lot of the things that I have done where the director comes in or the writer comes in, it's very specific. This is where I want you to go with this. I haven't had one that would say, I like who you are. I like your take. Just do that. So that's very cool that you get a chance to do that on, on Zoe's and hopefully in other places too. Well, here's two things I've learned. One, um, I don't want to say the best directors because they're all different kind of great directors, yeah. but some of the best I've worked, some of the most successful I've seen believe that they're a huge part of their job is casting. Mm -hmm. So they're not micromanaging the performance. They're casting someone that already is doing what their vision is or maybe <laughs> surprises them and says, oh, I thought it would be this way. Then this, this woman walked into the room and gave me a totally different option. I thought, oh, she's on. Yes, that. And that's collaboration. So I find that those directors I love to work with. And then I need the help. I want the help. I need the shaping. But I love when they cast someone who's already right for it in their eyes. And the other thing in terms of auditioning, <laughs> um, of having that, that confidence to say, I don't know what they want. I'm not going to compete against the guy before me who went into the audition before me or the one that's leaving after me. Especially this is uh, really takes place in musical theater when you can hear them singing. And you're like, oh, gosh, their voice is so good, whatever. I can only be as prepared as I can be. And I think I always think of auditions as performance. 
I love to perform. Yeah. The audition part of that's up to the casting director and the director. So if I can come in really well rehearsed, off book, ready to go, made some choices, and then let them decide if it's what they want. But um, I just have the confidence of thinking, how would I want to do this? How would I do it for my friends if they were here? Just and not worry about it being an audition. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and it takes a lot of pressure off of you because uh, and Michael uh, Michael Kostrup, who was just on the show, kind of said the same thing in his audition uh, Psych 101 class. He said, I love acting. You know, this is my opportunity to go there and act. I'm going to go have fun. And I already think that I'm not getting a job. So what's the point of worry about it? I'm just going to go have fun. And that if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. That's it. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I'll I'll try to incorporate that as much as <laughs> as much as I'm able. Um, and he's right because that takes a pressure off. And by the way, the other side of that is the other option is think you're gonna get it, which is a little bit of a mind game. But go, I'm so right for this. I can't wait to show him my thing and then forget about it. But I get what he means. He's right because 99 times out of 100, you don't get the job. It doesn't matter about talent, anything. It's just yeah. Stars um, alignment. Uh, Lauren, God, uh, forgive me for uh, for you know uh, not remembering her last name, but from um, uh, huh? no, not Lauren Graham. Lauren oh, Graham, not Lauren Graham. Um, I'm talking about another show that's um, uh, okay. We're gonna move on. I'll remember her. But uh, uh, what she was saying is that when she was auditioning for this show, that I'll remember the name of in a few minutes. Um, she completely had the mindset of, this is mine. Uh, I know this character, this is mine, nobody else is getting it. So it's getting into what you were just saying that you have two approaches, either approach of this is mine or approach of, hey, I'm not gonna get it, I'm just gonna have fun. Um, yeah, either way it takes the pressure off, I think. Superstore is the name of that, uh, of that show when she's playing the assistant right. manager. Uh, and I'm so sorry to her for not remembering her last name. I love her take on it. Um, okay, um, in auditioning, since uh, since you kind of went in that uh, in that regard, what other advice uh, would you give in terms of um, doing your best in auditioning? Um, you mentioned that a lot of it is self tapes. You know, right behind that's kind of where I'm doing my uh, self tape. That's my wall. Um, any other approaches? Uh, because I know for some people doing a self-tape could be a, a process by which they never stop. They think that it can always get better and it's hours and hours of them doing it and they just need to stop. What is your approach? Well, I fall into that trap for sure. Uh, I try not to because when we go into a room to audition, we don't get 50 takes and yet we do it at home. Yeah, maybe one or two for lucky, right? Um, and that's also interesting, by the way, because I've gone into auditions for TV shows where I get one take and I leave and I call my manager and I go, they go, how'd it go? I said, terrible? I, yeah, I don't know. I did one take and they're like, great. Like usually when they think it's great, they go, that's great. Let's dig in. Try just to see how you work. And sometimes that is a booking. That is a job. And yeah. sometimes you do two or three takes and you think, oh, this was great. They worked with me and you still didn't get it because they worked with you and they didn't get what they I have no idea how to second guess anything, but from home, I think I like being in the room better. You get to interact with people and get direction, but there's huge benefits to being at home. You can do 50 takes if you want. I don't think it's always beneficial. Sometimes your first take's your best, yeah. um, but what do I do? I, I just try to, all right, so there's this rule, this unwritten rule that you have to hold the page right? You've probably heard it. Yeah, and I'm not sure I agree with it, but yeah. I hate it. Yeah. We hear two opposing things. Oh, casting people, and I don't agree, but casting people have no imagination. They need to see you exactly as the character, you know, and then they hear, and then you hear the other side, which is they want to know that you're just still rehearsing, and you have the page in your hand, and that shows that you still have growth to make when you get on set, or you are in rehearsals for the play. So that's why I've always heard you hold it, because it shows this isn't my finished performance, right? I've got more room to go. Okay. Um, I think if you're off book, I mean, you can still hold it, I guess, but I'm not turning pages. I'm not, 
Otherwise, it becomes a crutch. And then if I do forget a line three pages in, what am I going to flip and try to? I just come in like, let's go. Let's play. We got three scenes. Which one do you want to start with? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't want the, uh, the pages because there is a psychological aspect, at least that I've noticed in myself, that if I have <laughs> the pages, I will ultimately look at them. And I don't want that to be it. And I don't want to think because I'm very analytical, you know, from my 25 years of doing IT. Uh, it's it's kind of within. I don't want to be observing. I don't want to be kind of thinking. I don't want to, I just want to forget it. I want to get in the character and go, that's it. But I've heard in terms of holding the page, one of the reasons why they want to uh, have you do it is because if you forget, then it's a quick kind of glance and you're back at it instead of, ooh, oh, oh, and you don't have anything to rely on. But it's interesting. I've never heard um, that you know you hold the page because you're showing them that this is not my final take. That's a very interesting uh, thing to learn. That's what I've always. That's what I've always heard. Of course, it's great to glance down at it if you need it. Yeah. But I've always heard that it's that thing that just psychologically it shows this is still a rehearsal. I'm not in costume. We don't have proper lighting. We don't have a microphone. This is just me. I got the material two days ago, and it's as polished as it can be, and know that there's progress to be made. The other thing, there are tricks you can do um, where, let's say you're holding your page, and this is for on camera, but I guess it could be for theater too, yeah. uh, where you can plan times to look down. Mm -hmm. And that way, if, so, if, if the person says something, let's say, dramatic to you, and you look down, and then you can just raise your eyes and go, oh, I I didn't understand. Whatever. Just that look up, the camera loves it. It's so dramatic. You don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. You can plan that for a second. You look down and you, it sounds so technical, but if you're going to hold it, you can use it to your advantage too. Yeah. That's a perfect device. Thank you. Um, going back to kind of casting directors, because um, I have a number of uh, casting directors that are going to be on the show who I like and respect, and I've taken workshops from them. And what I have found, and hopefully this is not an offense to casting directors, but you hear so many opinions, it seems like it's still entirely subjective that you can do. And what I actually did just as a social experiment is, um, you know, there are a lot of these uh, kind of uh, casting director workshops right now. Um, and it's awesome. And I love doing it. And what I did is I took the same scene and I did it in front of many casting directors. And some of them uh, loved it. Some of them wanted to change it. Uh, others uh, kind of said, yeah, I, I didn't uh, kind of see that and I want you to do it differently. So same scene and I tried to do it kind of the same way and you get uh, a lot of different opinions. So to me, at least I found and I wanted to know what you found in your experience, but it's, if you're thinking about what a casting director wants, you're, you're done. Uh, I am of the opinion that just go have fun, do your best, and don't worry about anybody else because you have no idea what they're thinking and maybe they don't either. I agree 100%. I love casting directors. None of us would work without them. And I think right. most of them are supportive and creative and caring and they want actors to work and they want to have the fun of finding that actor for the role. I mean, they're awesome. But they're human beings. And you and I can go see a movie together and I can leave and go, oh my God, this is the greatest. And you're like, that's terrible. Yeah. So that's just, I think that's just art, which again is why this is so tricky. If you go to Harvard Law School mm -hmm. and you do well, you're going to get an offer at a great law firm. You're going to make 108, whatever it is, 108,000 right out of school. You can go to Juilliard, NYU, Michigan, any of the, whatever these great schools are, and not work. Doesn't mean you're not talented. Yeah. And you can, you know, your neighbor can be Spielberg because you grew up in Beverly Hills. And you know, you're good and you're suddenly a movie star. Like, who knows? So you are hundred percent right. I always just think, not just have fun, that's very important, prepare. I think there's so little we can control in this business. Yeah. Because it is so subjective, like you said, right? So it's it you that we can control having at least one nice audition outfit. I don't mean having to have a ton of money, but going, all right, I don't have a ton of money. This outfit, this nice shirt, I don't wear anywhere else. This is clean, crisp, ready for auditions. I can be on time. I can be 
super prepared, ready to go, ready to take notes, try it again, because I'm not lost in the words. If you're in New York or LA or Chicago, you know there's a lot of traffic, get there early. So we can have a nice resume updated, unlike mine. Uh, so we can be super prepared is I think the greatest thing, and then let that work go and have fun in the room and respond. So we're not too on our heads. Cause I, I'm an analytical guy too. And I feel like I have to get out of my head and then just be there and listen and respond. Yeah. Um, I, I want to piggyback on what you just mentioned, but I want to ask one more question about auditioning at your level. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have 48 credits on screen. You've done a ton of, uh, you know, theater and stage. You've done hundreds of commercials and radio spots. Um, are you still, auditioning like the rest of us or are you getting work sent to you of saying hey we want you for this or we want you for that 99 percent of the time i'm still auditioning it's hmm. it's changed a little bit in a good way that more for theater things where how okay. they'll be doing like we did a um what like a reading of um a, a famous movie to be turned into a broadway show Mm -hmm. And I got a text from the director, who's a big Broadway director, super talented. And he just texted me and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to be the lead? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. So those things have started to happen, especially in the theater world. Um, not as much in the TV world, or not at all in the TV world. The nice thing that starts to happen is things like Modern Family and certain shows become recurring. So it's not where they just call and go, Hey, I know you're famous. Do you want to be on the show? I bust my butt, luck out, get the role, and then I'll get a call, or my agent will get a call a month later. Hey, we love Noah, and we want to bring him back. So that's like that much of it starting to happen in TV, but nice. theater, that's everything. Very cool. Um, and I hope it it starts for you very quickly in uh, in TV as well. Um, you've mentioned being analytical, which again to me is right here. <laughs> so. I am doing my best to disconnect from that and just be the character. Um, when I watch you on screen, and I, you know, I've seen you in some things uh, aside from Zoe's, I've watched your reels, and it's a very natural style. It's a very fluid. It's very simple. There is no kind of oh, okay, I see he made that choice and that part was pre-planned. I don't see any of that. Um, how do you? Be huh? They fooled you. Uh, you if, if you did, yes, you did. Then, then the question is, how do you approach it? And how how do you get to that point where you can just be so fluent and uh, in a way not act at all? So here's how I do it. Um, it goes back to my training. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, it goes back. And I want to talk about this guy, Dr. Gregory Denhart, who ran the theater program, the, our community. Uh, program in uh, Northbrook for all those years, but I'm going to skip ahead uh, and go to my training at, at NYU. I had a teacher named Larry Singer who, and I, my teachers all were great, but Larry Singer, I just really connected with him, um, and he taught us Stanislavski-based acting. So it's, and I, to piggyback off of sort of that phrase, like I just like to be the character, I know exactly what you mean, and I know there's work you're doing to just be the character. <laughs> but he always talks a bit more, getting more specific about it, that just being, I can't be anything. I can do something. Mm -hmm. If I say, hey, be sad, you're like, you can actively do things that might bring that emotion about. Uh, and so the choices I make are thought out active choices, but they're not choices about how to say the lines. So hopefully that homework isn't isn't showing because I'm not doing that homework. There are definitely times as when I'm doing a comedy where I think I think I know what the timing is. That if I race this timing or if I don't give the pause and then the look, it probably won't get a laugh. Uh, so I have that in mind sometimes, but I make I choose an objective. I choose what do I want to accomplish? What am I trying to get from this other character in the scene? Mm -hmm. So that way the Pressure comes off of me, because we do this in real life. This is just psychology, right? We do it in real life. We, we think, what, 
let's quick little example. So I'm uh, I'm a kid and I want to go to the mall. People, no, well, you can't go to the mall anymore. But when we used to be able to go to stores in life, um, so yeah, I want to go to Northbrook Court, and um, I need you know ten dollars from my mom. So that's my objective. I need ten dollars, and then I try different tactics to get the ten dollars. And if I just tried one tactic, mom, can I get ten dollars to go to the mall? No, and I leave scene over. But we don't do that in real life. So I'm trying. Okay, that doesn't work. Well, then I'll you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be mad at her. Yeah, you know, you're a jerk. Your dad would always do it. Well, then go ask your dad. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, and then I'll try sweet. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. You're the best. And we try all these tactics to get what we want, which to me is what's interesting. And in love stories and anything, we see people failing and trying to get that goal. So I try to start, and sometimes in TV, it's hard to come up with all of those things because the scenes are short and they're sort yeah. of segmented or whatever. Um, but I try to just think, what do I want from this person? How do I get it? And then when I'm in the room on the day of the shoot or in the play, I really just try to really want it from that person and get it. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And that's why doing theater is so fun because like doing, we'll talk about it, I know, but doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for three, 400 performances, you think, oh, that can get boring. But if you're really trying to get something from each character and it's a little different every night and they respond differently like oh it just makes it fun because uh, you're really trying to get these things and listening and responding that makes sense um and that that kind of leads into the uh my next question of you know even when you're on screen right so you're shooting a tv show um and there are many takes and there are many different shots and uh, we go through, through that um do you try uh, aside from blocking but do you try to hit the same uh note or do you just kind of approach it and hey wow this came out very differently and i'm okay with that so you go by feel or do you have i need to do this the same way always it's a good question especially for tv well for Mm -hmm. everything but it's tricky and i almost kind of feel like you have to feel it out with the director Mm. because you well let's say this let's say you've got your shot on you right yeah you might give them different options but now the reason it takes so darn long to shoot a tv show or movie is because now you have to redo all the lighting because you're going to turn the camera around and now it's over your head and now it's a two shot of you and your scene partner Mm -hmm. all that's so if you change it so much especially physicality like you're saying the blocking Mm -hmm. then it won't match yeah so i'm still navigating that with each with each um, show I do, most of the time I keep it within the same world. So I'm not suddenly like doing this when I've never done that on another take because they're not gonna be able to edit that together. Yeah. But I definitely play. And it's definitely, each take is definitely different because I also wanna give the editor and the director something to choose from. So it's not 30 of the same take. Uh, so I definitely play and the other actors are playing too. So you're you, you're responding off of them because you have to because they're giving you something different. Yeah, because again, if you were just if you're talking to a wall, then to me that removes a lot of the fun and a lot of the energy from it. I want to see the eyes. I want to see kind of the body language of the actor because that'll dictate what I do and how I do it and how I react. Uh, we're like that normally, so I want to have that interaction. Um, speaking yeah. of that, and I remember specifically. You know, we're watching Zoe's, uh, back to Zoe for, for a second. We're watching Zoe's, and it's the, you know, first episode that you're in. And um, I am, during that scene where, you know, Jane and uh, Skylar are, are singing Pressure, um, I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at all of the actors around the uh, table. And I literally pause the show. I turn to my family, and I say, how are they not breaking? How are they not hysterically laughing right now? How many takes did it take did it actually take to get a full shot of this? Because to me, it's hilarious. So how is how is it that you could stay in that without just hysterically laughing every time? Here's how it's easy for me. I'm the guest star on the show. It's not yeah. my show. True. So I can't I can't do it. That's true. 
like it's almost easier to to break and laugh if you're the lead. Not that they would take advantage of that, but in any show, that's your home. Yeah. So somehow you just you don't. I get what you mean. You don't. They were so nice. They were saying to me, if we don't look at you in the eye on your takes when the camera's on you, it's only because we're trying not to ruin your take by cracking up. Good. Because they're so comfortable, and I was I was learning from them because they're so good and so relaxed and so themselves so funny and i i was um asking jane i said how do you she like came into some scene maybe it was the second episode with the line where i say uh have them make me an omelet hold the eggs i know she like she, i love that line uh um but she she like jumps into the scene and says something kind of like fun and we were talking I was like, how did you what how did you you're so free how do you do this yeah She's like, she said, I have so many lines that I don't care. And it doesn't mean she doesn't care about each moment yeah. and each thing, but I can't judge myself on every moment. And I think she was also referring to kindly, like, you come on the show, you've got 10, 15 lines and you're done. This is a big deal. You flew out to Canada to shoot it. This is, if this line's terrible, the next one might be good. Yeah. And really what that does, it's like audition. It's like, it frees you up. I can't. And plus on a TV show, you're gonna do a handful of takes and they're gonna choose the takes anyway. So sure. um, I have felt that the leads I've seen, like if you watch bloopers yep. of a famous TV show, Seinfeld, all these things, I'll watch the guest star not laughing. Yep. We're the guests in the house. We're just so happy to be there. Uh, when you're in a long running play and other things, it's probably harder because you're more comfortable. Um, okay. Thank you. That's that's a very good note. I'll I'll do my best to keep it in mind when I get there. Hopefully, I get there. Um, before we dive into your Broadway and uh, and uh, stage and talk about Charlie and the uh, Chocolate Factory, um, given that you are a stage actor, you have a great singing voice. I've uh, listened to at least three performances that I'm really impressed. Um, to me, it would seem like a weird practical joke that I'm just imagining, you know, John uh, Turlop uh, or, you know, Austin uh, Weinsberg, who maybe were also Weinsberg. related, um, yeah. coming to you and saying, okay, uh, Noah, I want you for an NBC show as a guest star. Awesome. And it's a musical. Awesome. And you're the only guy who's not going to sing. <laughs> I mean, how was that? Because to me, I would be like, are you serious? Do you know kind of what I do and what I've done? Well, the good, the good news is when I was talking to Austin about it, he said, I think as I was like being considered, he was like, I think this will be, you'll have an easier time getting approved by all the MB, all the people that have to say yes for one person to get a job because you can sing and dance and do all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I think if the season two, and I hope there is, even just as a fan of the show, even if I wasn't on it, yeah, I just want to sit and watch this and see where they go. But I think if I come back, I'll be able to sing on it and stuff. So that is what I've been told. So that's that's great. I'm, but I, more importantly, just, I, just, I want more of these people. I want to be in this world more. I want to sit and watch it on my TV. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, in some way it was a relief because then I didn't have to do that part of it. I just had to come on and try to be real and funny and, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, I really hope I get to come back and sing on it because I love doing that. I know, I, I won Danny's Heart song. I, I think that, that just the idea of it to me is is impeccably hilarious. I want that. So Austin, anybody, if you're listening, please, please, please. Um, okay, let's let's get to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, you've done a lot of uh, you've done a lot of stage. Um, you've done you know the Willy Wonka role in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You did that for an extended period of time. Um, you know I've uh, I come from um, I haven't watched the stage version first. I saw the movie first, and I saw right. Wilder first. Um, so that was kind of my favorite uh, one, and that's what I. What I'm into, and again, this is me being an immigrant. I came here uh, at 14. I didn't watch anything until I was much older. So for me, kind of that was my my heart strength. Uh, strength. How did you approach, you know, playing Willie? Did you come at it from 
okay, this is what I grew up uh, watching and what I tried to do, or you just said, no, I'm going to do my version as much as I can? Uh, I did the my version part Good. with so much Gene Wilder in my DNA from having watched it growing up. I never saw the second movie, the, the new version, the Johnny Depp movie. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I did not rewatch the Gene Wilder version because he's so awesome. I, I, and I've said this before, I, I can't, I would fall into the trap of trying to be him. I can't be him. So I was supported by the group, this amazing director, Jack O'Brien, who cares so much about truth on stage. And he doesn't just direct musicals, even though he directed Hairspray and he directed our show and he directed other amazing uh, musicals. Um, but he directs Shakespeare and, you know, big dramas on, on Broadway. Uh, so every day was about truth and every day was about making it our own for all the cast. And he would say, I don't care what they did, what we did, because he directed it on Broadway. And I don't care what they did in the movie. We're going to find our version or else it won't be truthful. And for rehearsals, for example, I wear glasses in life most of the time, I have contacts. And he said, oh, maybe Wonka's gonna have glasses. Hmm. I don't know, it was like a part of you. And we talked about it and we decided, and I threw my contacts in and we're like, oh no, yeah, let's go no glasses. And then in the beginning of our version of the show, Wonka dresses up as the local candy seller. Remember there's that candy shop guy. Here we make it Wonka, um, who has been locked in his factory for 40 years. He kind of comes out to see what the world's like, what do people think of chocolate? He's kind of been depressed. Yeah. Um, and he's coming out and realizing people still love chocolate, and that's when he decides to do the tour of the factory. And for that, we put glasses on. But uh, from day one, he said, we're gonna make this our version. And I also love him because he said, I, we're so proud of what we did on Broadway, but I'm still learning. I think there's things I'd like to try differently as a director. So we changed things and it was, Getting to work with him and um, his assistant or associate, Matt Lenz, mm -hmm. it was great. It was challenging and great. Perfect. Um, so doing so much uh, so much theater and then doing a lot of uh, TV and doing film, preference? Do you like one versus the other? Not to put you in a spot for any potential opportunities, but is there a preference that you have? I really love both. And I think the the dream career that once in a while I get to have is yeah. doing a show on the road like I did for over a year, mm -hmm. and then coming home, sitting on my couch, being like, "What's next?" And then going to do a couple episodes of TV, and then doing a reading of a new show, a new musical. Getting to bounce back and forth to me is the best. And this, I would admit, yeah. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. And nothing to me is better than live theater, specifically musicals. Yeah. I love musical theater the most of anything. But doing it, you know, eight shows a week for a year is a lot. So it's nice to go do some TV, uh, which feels a little easier, even though that's its own stress. But but it's it's in some ways, except maybe for Jane on, on our show, who mm -hmm. is singing and dancing and doing all that, doing a whole new musical every week. Uh, it's it's TV can be a little easier than having to keep the voice going eight shows a week. Yeah, um, Jane Rachel Brosnan from uh, from Marvelous Miss Maisel. Anytime I saw Rachel do all of these monologues, I get I, I get sweaty as an actor trying to think, oh my God, how in the world can you do that with so many lines, with this much drama, with having to be perfect timing comedically? I don't know how that's possible, and. I know you're doing it and I'm not there at that level. Well, and I bet you are. I think I think one thing is hard when we see these people that achieve the success, it's because they're super talented, have worked their butts off, and they're lucky. And also because, from North. <laughs> and from North right? But so much of it is luck. Yeah. I mean, you know. I, I don't consider myself any more talented than any of my other friends. And in fact, I'm less talented than a lot of them. And some of them haven't worked as much and some work more. And I think you're amazing 
I love what you do. And I have another friend that's a very similar type, but doesn't get those auditions. So I don't even know why some people have more luck or whatever, but I do think it is a combination of being prepared and luck meeting that preparation. So when that moment does come, you're, you're at least ready to meet the moment. And then again, it's out of your hands on who they're gonna choose. Uh, but, oh, what I was saying was, when, when, you, when we see these people that we admire, that we look up to, they're so talented, they are, I'm not taking that away, but they're also on television. Meaning they're given the best writers, the best directors, the best lighting, they're acting opposite the greatest actors, and they're given every opportunity, the best editors to make them even look better. So I often think, or at least hope, oh, I can, oh, God, I can do that. I think they're they're at the high, they're working at the highest level, so they're supported in that way. And then there are geniuses uh, who I'm like, Steve Carell, like I. He just, every line reading he does, I don't know any other actor as famous as him even that would be as genuine and funny and beautiful and grounded as he is. And there are other people like that. I think that's a whole nother level. Yeah, um, for me, acting wise, it's, it's watching Mark Rylance. Uh, you know, Mark Rylance in, uh, in um, Bridge, uh, Bridge of Spies, just watching the first few things that he did, I, thought to myself immediately, if he doesn't win an Oscar, I don't know what acting is. Um, so for me, that's kind of that epitome of, okay, that's that's it. I'm gonna try to do that and come as close as possible to that never achievable goal. Um, yeah, okay, you've mentioned, um, you've mentioned uh, types and uh, you've mentioned casting. I wanna ask this question and I wanna be very, um, very uh, respectful about it. And uh, if somebody thinks me a, a penis for asking it, I hope you don't. But I think for, for actors, it would be a valuable question to ask. Um, you have a uh, somewhat of a similar you know, look and feel to Jesse Eisenberg and to, uh, to Michael Sarah, uh, who are both wonderful. Do you ever get uh, anybody from casting that comes to your contacts and said, you know what, I, I want that Jesse type and I want you to audition because of it. Has that happened? Oh, it happens all the time. And mm -hmm. I don't, I, I appreciate being delicate about the question, but um, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's, when we get the breakdown, and I know you know what a breakdown is, but just to explain to people, maybe if they don't, that's <laughs> what the casting directors send out to the agents breaking down what they're looking for for each character. So when the breakdown comes out, it almost always says, looking for a Marlon Brando type, Marlon Brando type a Jesse Eisenberg type, a, you know, whatever. That just helps narrow down the kind of, so our agents can go, oh, okay. They want that sort of intelligent look. Maybe it's even a physical thing, because I physically look like Jesse Eisenberg a little bit, or uh, they need someone who's got sort of that sweetness or that innocence of a Michael Sarah. Um, I think it helps. And it really just boils down to knowing your type. Mm -hmm. Like, look at, look at me, look at, look, I'm a leading man. You know, I get like a Tom Cruise situation. You know, this is what I know the type I am. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you know who you are and yeah. then, you know, especially if you don't have an agent and you're going for your own auditions, you know, what's appropriate, what to show up for. Um, so yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. Perfect. Thank you. I, I appreciate you answering it, but not thinking me a penis uh, for asking. Um, okay. Let's jump to the other side of, uh, of what you do, because yeah. in addition to, uh, to being on screen <clears throat> and in addition to being on stage, you also direct and you produce and you write, and you have your own production company, Schirmerville, uh, productions. Uh, I haven't seen the uh, the couple of films that you've made. I've seen the uh, the demos, the reels. Uh, you know what's life got to do with it, which looks fantastic. I loved watching the uh, the trailer in that one. Uh, also, by the way, I want to know when. Thank you kindly. It <clears throat> it showed that it's 2019, but I want to know where it's available because it looks really interesting. So talk to me about uh, Shermerville. Yeah. So uh, I started this company when I 
got to LA a handful of years ago, um, mm -hmm. really because I wasn't working. Okay. So I I'd done four Broadway shows in a row, mm -hmm. which was great. It taken me so long to finally get one, and I got one, and then it got a little easier to suddenly it was like, oh, he can be on Broadway. And I was I happened to book four Broadway shows, not back to back, but you know, within a handful of years. And um and then I decided I'm moving to Los Angeles. And that's in a sense you gotta start over. Because they're like, oh you've been on Broadway. Hey, great. Oh you've been on a handful of shows in New York. Cool. Uh and I thought, well I'm just gonna make my own stuff. So I started with with that um what's life got to do with it and we'll work with my friend Richie on that uh who plays my roommate in it and that it was it was very rewarding maybe more rewarding than just acting okay because you create the whole thing yourself and then we took it to film festivals and had a great time and I didn't know anything about that but we won like the Bale film festival which isn't uh which is a really good festival and there were movie stars there and they called my name and i was like i sat up in the balcony and i i because i didn't even think about winning yeah i just couldn't believe i got in and i was like you're on tv you're a rita wilson like all these people had made these films so a lot of them short films and um i had to run down all the way like in this big auditorium for the final you know sort of awards ceremony yeah. and because I couldn't breathe well because of the uh, altitude. So I got up there and I, I think all I said was, anyone else can't breathe? <laughs> Thank you. And then I came back up and I also didn't realize I opened up the thing. There was a beautiful glass like plaque and yeah. a check for $100. Okay. I, I didn't even know. So that was very rewarding. And um, I worked with my buddy Cam Fife who's out in LA, who's an actor and a writer and a producer and all this stuff. And he sort of helped teach me how to produce something and put a crew together and look at my script and be like, that seems terrible. How about this version? Like, oh, you know, rewriting at two in the morning. And then I made another one recently. Um, right, so what happened is, oh, I shot it right, it's called Thank You Kindly, and it stars Kamiko Glenn mm -hmm. from, Orange is the New Black and Waitress on Broadway and about 900 other projects she's constantly working. And um, well, I hired a casting director, by the way. I thought, I want to get the right person. I have so many talented friends, but I want to reach out and work with somebody new. So I hired a casting director from New York and we uh, cast her. And luckily, so she was so great. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, oh, and then uh, I finished editing it, all that stuff, and then got the Charlie and Chalk Factory tour. So my manager and I decided, just sit on the project, let it sit there. Yeah. Because if I submit it to festivals, I won't be able to go because I'm on the road. Yeah. So we just started going to festivals and then the old coronavirus hit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I don't know what I'm gonna do with it yet. I mean, there's still virtual festivals that are happening. It's gonna be in Richmond, Virginia. It got into a bunch of festivals and there's more to come. But I don't know now, because it's not going to take the traditional path of doing a year of festivals, because I was looking forward to traveling to all these festivals, meeting other filmmakers, maybe collaborating with somebody new. Um, I did want to say, I went to the Sedona International Film Festival, which happened just as this was starting, the, the outbreak, and we didn't know, or otherwise I wouldn't have traveled it, right? It was felt still safe to go. Uh, and that might be one of the greatest festivals I've ever been in, because the guy who runs it, uh, Pat is just amazing and it feels like a big corporate event that's run by your mom. Nice. Like so caring and loving, but totally smooth. So the festival world is it can be really great. Nice. Um and then um from the IMDB perspective, right? So I'm looking you up on IMDB and you say yeah. actor, director, writer. Um so that made me want to ask you if that's the way you perceive yourself or that was just done alphabetically or that was done in the matter of you know how much money you're making from each endeavor you know is is that in how you see yourself uh actor first and then the rest i definitely consider myself an actor first and the writing and the directing uh i love and 
have found some success in it, but I consider myself still developing that. And my friends and my family, they're like, wait, look at these films you're making. Look at what you're like, it's great. And I'm working on a, a feature film right now and a pilot. So I'm still writing and working on the next stuff. But yeah, what I trained in was acting. What I've made my career doing is acting. And that includes voiceovers and commercials and TV shows and theater and all those things that make up that career. And I'm, I love this new part of my professional life, but it's newer. Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. Thank you. Um, yeah. You've mentioned commercials. I have to ask this because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, yep, I, I need to. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of commercials and natural, uh, national spots, you've done a ton. Um, you've also done one specifically for McDonald's and Burger King. Um, as an actor, I remember in all of the acting classes, they were very careful about it. They said, you know, if you do a thing for one, then the other one likely is not going to want you to be in it. So how did that whole thing happen for you? Was there a period of time between them? Did they not know? How did it work out? Yeah, I think these classes are so helpful, but they're not always right on in terms of some of the information. Good. So the thing that is certainly a rule is if you have a if you are currently your commercial is running for mcdonald's yeah you cannot do a burger king commercial yeah and then there's also a thing called a holding fee which even if your commercial isn't running they've taken it off the air for a while but they're holding your exclusivity to that type of company yeah. mm -hmm. and they pay you every 13 weeks some amount of money to do that mm -hmm. um and that's fine because there's a million other kinds of products you can do a commercial for. Yeah. The tricky part is uh, actors, a lot of us are union. Like when you work at that high level, when you're on TV and you're doing Broadway shows and you're doing big radio commercials and voiceovers, for, you're union, thankfully. Mm -hmm. uh, because you get paid properly, you get access to healthcare, you have safety rules when you're on a set, you have all, you know, proper breaks, all residuals. Mm -hmm. When you think about without a union, Zoe's, which is a great show, I got paid to do that. Now, if they play it in reruns, let's say over the summer or something, yeah. I should get paid again. And if there's not a union saying, Noah's got to get paid for that because you're going to get advertising dollars yeah. and you're going to make millions for the network, but Noah should have his little share. So um, unions have been great. The problem is commercials have started to go the majority non-union, even huge companies that okay. I won't list right now, major, major companies you never think would do a non-union thing because they're gazillionaire companies who can afford a little extra to make it a union professional commercial. So okay. I think the tricky part is um, there's still a lot of commercials to do and a lot of voiceovers, but that market has dried up a little bit mm -hmm. because, uh, or maybe even a lot percentage-wise, because a lot of these spots, these commercials are going non-union. So the people that you see, and sometimes you can tell, you're like, was this shot on an iPhone? Like, what, what is this? And sometimes they're still polished and there's great actors who just aren't union. It's not even a judgment about the actor. Yeah. Uh, but that actor gets, oh, here's $1,000 to do this commercial, and we're going to sell a product and make millions of dollars instead of getting paid properly yeah. to be a, a true professional actor. Uh, but that said, especially when you're a union actor, commercials are a blessing. It made me so I don't have to wait tables and do other things. And it's still like the luckiest thing, just like getting any job to actually get commercials, a crazy thing to, to get one. But when you get it, you get paid money and you get health insurance and you can relax. So when you go into those auditions for those things you really are wanting to do, like a TV show or a movie or a Broadway show, <clears throat> you're not desperate. You, you're there because you want to do the role, not because you to pay your rent that month so you have the blessings of, of having a little money from commercials as a, i keep saying it's a blessing it's a blessing yeah um i agree thank you um it's it's uh, it seems to be a recurring theme uh michael mentioned the same thing of you know being having the financial resources or at least enough financial resources where you're not putting that pressure onto your acting audition and um, it's it's true. I think that same way. That's why I still have a you know day job and I have my IT consulting business, which for the most part dried up during COVID. Uh, now it's starting to pick back up a little bit. Um, I say one thing though. 
Yeah. I want to say one thing about that because sometimes when I teach, especially mm -hmm. younger actors who are heading into college, mm -hmm. not everyone's opinion, but I think sometimes some hunger and desperation, not desperation, but some hunger is good. Yeah. Because truly we're all desperate. I mean, we love, most people, a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people love their jobs. My yeah. sister is a teacher. My other sister's a nurse. My mom is in sales. They love what they do. They help people. Even in, in sales, my mom goes into these medical practices and helps them and, you know, she, they love it. But there aren't many people I know that their passion in life, the thing they go home and do, meaning they go home and listen to the soundtrack of a new musical, their passion is also their source of income. That's a crazy thing, which is why also it can be an, emo an emotional roller coaster for actors when you see them on the street. How are you, how are you doing? The answer isn't often, oh, I'm good. It's, uh, I'm good. I just had this audition. I, and it's not self-centered. It's not even a bad thing. It's like our life is so tied into our art. It's kind of a beautiful thing if you stand back and look at it. And sometimes I think when people say, should I double major? Should I have that other job? Now, it's different. You have a family. You're, you know, you're a real human being. I have no commitments to anybody. I'm nothing. I have a plant. I mean, the plant's dying. So, um, but I, I kind of... It's a very privileged thing to be able to do to say, I'm going to be broke for a while because this is it. And mm -hmm. I want to know that I gave 100% to it. Even if I quit in six months, mm -hmm. I wasn't doing another job during the day where I can't really audition or yeah. I can't do that waiting table job at night because then if I have to sing in the morning and audition my voice, I'm going to do whatever the heck it takes. I'm going to do the side jobs because I'm going to be an actor because it's what I love the most in the world. And then again, a day later, a year later, 10 years later, you go, I want to get married. I want to move to a normal town. I live in New York or LA or Chicago, kind of a big, crazy town. Then you do it, but you know, I gave everything to this. Yeah. So sometimes I think the hunger can be. It's no, it's, it's true. Um, I agree with that part of it. I'm kind of trying to straddle <laughs> myself because instead of getting a, a job and working you know, 40 hours a week for somebody and then not having an ability to go and audition when it comes down because I know that I would not be able to forgive myself, um, I started a consulting business that I'm doing work remotely. And that means that I can do work remotely from anywhere. That means that right. if I have an audition, I can go work in downtown Chicago. I can go to, uh, we're not going to mention anybody because they're not sponsoring me, but to shared office space. Uh, I can do that and then, uh, you know, go to an audition, come right back and continue working. Or I can go to L.A. or New York or Atlanta, anywhere and work from there. So I'm kind of straddling that and trying to have a business that still allows me the flexibility to do acting, hoping and praying and working to see if it ever becomes a full-fledging career where I don't have to do anything else. So it, we, we all kind of find our paths, but you're right. You know, I have I have a family to support, and uh, my wife is the most patient woman ever, and I can't thank her enough. Honey, if you're watching this, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, by the way, thank you to uh, to your family. You've mentioned, you know, the teacher. You've mentioned the nurse. Um, I hope they're doing okay during this uh, COVID time, and thanks uh, thanks to them for us. Yeah, thankfully they are. My my other brothers, uh, two brothers. One's a lawyer and a great husband, and uh, uh, but my other brother's a doctor in Detroit and a surgeon in a hospital. So his work has been like no surgery, all COVID stuff. So yeah, I have a awesome family, but that's part of it too. It's easier to say, I don't have a, a millionaire family, but I know I can take the risk I said. And if I needed one, especially when I was younger, if I said, dad, I'm $90 short on rent, I could get $90. He can't, he can't pay my, he's not going to pay my rent the whole time. So I'm not like a spoiled brat, but it's also easier to say what I said when I know I've got emergency backup. And that's mm -hmm. why everyone has to find their own path. But I think that hunger isn't a terrible thing to say, I need this job and I'm gonna work my butt off for it. And I'm gonna be so prepared. Here comes a performance, not an audition. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Um, as we wrap up, because I've taken too much of your time already. Um, I have four things more to say. Can't Perfect. Let, let's let's stay. Uh, let's stay. Or maybe uh, if, if you wish, we can just cut this and then go into the uh, the second version of this. Um, yeah, exactly. 
But I wanted to uh, to kind of ask, and uh, this is the only question that I kind of ask, and I'm planning to ask all of the uh, all the participants on the show. Um, if there was one thing that you could say to a younger acting version of yourself, if there is one piece of advice, what would that be? Huh. Good question. I think, you know, I need a moment. I got to think about this. I think. Take your time. I'm proud that I was always the guy that went to every audition. Because you and I talked a little earlier about knowing your type. Mm -hmm. But I, when I first got out of college, those first years, I went to almost every darn audition. They're like, we need a woman in her 80s you know, who actually has scoliosis. And I was like, I'm showing up. Yep. Uh, so I, 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 I didn't know this about myself, but I'm wired in a way where I don't get super depressed because mm -hmm. most of the time you don't get the job. I somehow stay motivated. Even when I was really young, going to everything, I was naive in a good way. Like one of my, the way I got my equity card a producer of a big theater had seen me perform at NYU and said, come audition for me. So I went to audition, didn't hear from him. I didn't have an agent. And then I told my mom, I think I'm going to go back to that summer theater. I went to the summer before non-union, $75 a month, a week, but really fun. And and she said, call the guy, call the guy from the theater. I was like, you, really? Okay. Not knowing you, you don't probably just pick up the phone and call the head of a huge, huge theater. And I did, and he said, uh, great, yeah, uh, what roles do you want to play? I said, what? He said, yeah, we're doing these six shows. So, oh, well, I'd like to be this guy and Bye Bye Birdie, okay. And so sometimes my lack of knowledge of how the business work helped out. <clears throat> yeah. um, so I'm proud of a lot of the choices I made. I think, and I'm not a patient person when it comes to the business which I think has helped because I, I love my work. I want to do the next thing. I want to do another thing. I want to do it at the next level. Maybe I would try to find even more positivity instead of, oh, God, I never get auditions in a time where auditions are slow. It would turn into, I love what I do so much. I can't wait for the next audition. And it's a little bit of a mind switch and a little bit of a game you play in your own head. But maybe if there's such thing as energy that we put out into the world, that's kind of a better energy to give. Perfect. So maybe I would do that. No, it's, it's, it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then, um, it is a good energy to give because, you know, what we give out, we receive. And if we think we're going to suck, usually we will. If we think yeah. we're going to be great, then there is a chance that we might be. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for jumping on. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being open and honest uh, with your um, answers. And it's been really a pleasure. I I'd love to have you back if, uh, if you do get a chance. Please listen. I have nothing going on in my life. <laughs> Again, we plant. Uh, so if you have more questions, yeah. let's chat I, more. I will. Yeah, the, I only have a couple of pages of notes that uh, that we used for this interview. I have a few more, so I definitely will uh, will take you up on that. Thank you. I, uh, and what I really hope is that we get to work together. Wouldn't that be fun? That we get to do something I, together. I would love that. Something. Yeah, because again, it's uh, and uh, you're saying that, and I really appreciate it. But what I what I want people to take out of this is that <clears throat> I personally, I want to work with the people that I like, that I enjoy, that we're on the same kind of uh, that no ego wavelength of we're here to create and we're here to have fun and to really um, do something interesting. I don't want to work with, uh, with jerks. I don't want to work with uh, people who think way too highly of themselves and you being in their presence is a, is a, you know, some symbol. I, it's not fun. I want to work with people who I enjoy. I talked to Michael yesterday, and he's such a lovely person. I'm talking to you. You're such a lovely, open, and honest person. These are the people that I want to work with. So 
when you say that, I would jump on that opportunity. I don't care if it's paid or not, because it's that ability to work with people that you like. Well, it's just, uh, I, that's why I said it, because I feel the same way about you, and we just met. And also, I, I, I have experienced that 99.9% .9 of the people in this business, the people I look up to, the people that I guess are on a show, and I've got three lines, and they're the lead, and I've watched them for years. They're the nicest. Yeah. The set of Zoe's, there could not be a nicer group of people. And these are big, fancy people. Um, and now that my friends are starting to become directors and choreographers and I have casting director friends, that's who they want to work with. Mm -hmm. And that reputation spreads. Yeah. You know, we know who right. we want to work with. So it's, it's, and the luck is most people are, are, are just that nice. And they feel fortunate. They know they're blessed. They're lucky that they're the TV stars. So. Perfect. Well, I thank you. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. All right. We're going to end this first uh, uh, episode uh, with uh, with Noah Weisberg, uh, my uh, relative uh, of some uh, of right. some. Right. Uh, happy to have you as a part of the family, and uh, we'll talk again very soon. I hope so. Great chatting with you. Bye, everybody.